Black Conservative History from Virginia to Connecticut, today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Did you know you could join the fight for faith and freedom in our nation by simply subscribing to The Grid? Just hit the subscribe button there on your podcast app. And subscriptions are free. From here on out, you will receive the latest episode when it's released. And get this even if you don't have time to listen. How does that help fight for faith and freedom? Your subscription adds one more to our weekly download tally. The bigger the download numbers, the easier it is to find the grid in a search. So, your subscription helps expand the audience, whether you listen or not. The larger the following, the larger our potential to reach the nation. From all of us at the Kingdom Patriot Group and The Grid, Thanks for joining the fight for faith and freedom just by subscribing. Welcome to this week's news in review. We have a new update to an old story, and that's this. Federal charges were dismissed last week against a Canadian pastor who kept his church open in 2021 during the height of the pandemic because Canadian law said you could not assemble. Well, it ends up he spent time in solitary confinement, and as he describes it, the government actually surrounded the church like they were busting a Mexican drug cartel. Now, I knew the Canadian government had gone nuts under Justin Trudeau, but I did not realize it was this bad. We need to pay attention to this because I don't think we are far behind. Okay, probably in the most comedic segment of the News and Review this week, Karine Jean-Pierre claims that Biden is the best communicator in the White House. Yep, you heard that correctly. Well, if Biden is the best communicator in the White House, that explains a whole lot of things. How can you even make that statement with a straight face? Okay, and another very concerning story about religious freedom. A Christian teacher lost her job after refusing to deceive parents over this whole gender ideology thing. She says she was under a directive to call students by their preferred pronouns, and then she was instructed to lie to parents about their kids. She said that she was also told she had to allow trans kids into the female locker room. So she said she couldn't believe this. So to clarify, she asked, am I supposed to allow male reproductive parts into the female locker room? And she was told emphatically, yes. Otherwise, it would be discrimination. This teacher, Jessica Tapia, said that students found her on social media where she states, that she is very clear about her faith and her, her beliefs. She doesn't believe in pronouns or any other gender confusion other than what God has made you to be, your biological sex. She further says that she believes to affirm the confusion of gender is really not the way to love them all. In fact, you are just supporting the deceit of the devil. Well, the students reported her to the district, and she was subsequently investigated. She had to choose to obey the district directives, or the way and beliefs that the Lord has called her to. She said she was put in a position that my personal beliefs, what I held to myself, was not allowed. I couldn't be both a Christian and a teacher. 
The district was confused why she couldn't just set her beliefs aside while she was at work. Jessica, good for you. I believe you have chosen correctly. And also, if I called it our hope segment, Asbury University in Kentucky is drawing nationwide global attention amid a spiritual revival. Unbelievable. There's going to be more on this, I think, in the coming weeks, but God is moving. And I tell you, here's why I'm encouraged. The universities, through deceit and the lies of the enemy, have been stealing the hearts and minds of our youth for decades. How appropriate, how awesome that God would use those same youth, ground zero, as the start of a revival. I just love it. Thank you, Jesus. Also in another story, Biden refers to Maryland's first black governor by racially charged terms. Yeah, this is really not a big story. I wouldn't even mention this uh, because to me, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's just more the hypocrisy. When you call a black man boy, it is almost universally understood as being derogatory. This gets national attention if it's said by Trump or Ron DeSantis. But because Biden is a progressive liberal, he gets a pass. Also, this got very little attention, but several black conservatives rallied around Carrie Lake when she refused to stand for the black national anthem at the Super Bowl. And this also included Larry Elder. Why did they stand with her? Because they responded the song was beautiful, but it's not our national anthem. We only have one national anthem, and it's not white. It's not black. It's not Hispanic. It's the color of freedom. Good for you. Also saw that a George Democrat was smearing Justice Clarence Thomas, calling him an Uncle Tom. We'll be getting more to Clarence Thomas in the coming weeks, but to call him an Uncle Tom is what is so wrong with the party that supposedly champions tolerance. Clarence Thomas is the epitome of constitutional conservatism. He is the epitome of the rags-to-riches story. He is the epitome of someone who comes from utter poverty and becomes an unbelievably productive member of society. But that doesn't sit so well because his beliefs aren't the right beliefs. So he must be tar and feathered. In fact, it very much reminds me of Henry Ford's quote, you can have any color you want so long as it's black. Well, you can have any opinion you want or view as long as it's liberal. I also saw that Nikki Haley announced her 2024 presidential run as she is gearing up to win the GOP party nomination. I don't know if I've ever seen an example how women became more vile to another woman so quickly. The view has been torched for this because they have really gone after her. And I just don't get it. I thought a woman running for president was a great thing. But nope, apparently that's only true if you're a Democrat, particularly like Hillary Clinton. Otherwise, your conservative views are to be destroyed. See my previous comments on Henry Ford. I also saw that Joe Rogan just went after liberals for condemning health and fitness as a far-right initiative. Eat donuts and vote blue is the comment I heard. Well, Rogan is right on this. The left touts ending racism, but apparently the way they believe that you do that is you must find racism in everything. Instead of being colorblind, you have to become ultra color sensitive. Democrats are proposing baby bonds, which is in essence picking a birth date as a dividing line and just start giving these people checks for no other reason than their age. Supposedly, this is to close the racial wealth gap because black lives and black wealth matter. That's a new term. If you can figure out exactly how this accomplishes that, please share it with me because I don't see it. To me, it's just another disguise for socialism. This last story, very concerning to me because it appears to be a workaround. You remember when the 
thought process of the Ministry of Truth came out and it received a tremendous amount of backlash because it was to fight disinformation. But we all knew what it was. It was clear. It was just a form of government censorship. Well, as that died down, these liberals just found another way. The State Department is funding a disinformation group that targets non-liberal and conservative news outlets. I'm guessing the reason the State Department is involved is because this group is not even on our soil. Yep, you heard that correctly. The group is a British nonprofit called the Global Disinformation Index. Well, that sounds a bit scary. I'm curious if George Soros is a principal. I don't know that. Just asking the question. And oh, by the way, the State Department didn't just send over pocket change. Uh, they sent $300 million to this group, in case you were wondering. Sickening. Deceptive. Concerning. Irresponsible. Horrible stewardship. and enemy of freedom. Pure and simple. For this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Well, welcome to week three as we look at two more prominent black conservatives, one of them you may have not even heard of. But before we do that, I just have to say I had a lot of fun doing this podcast because in the past, typically when I'm doing research or an information on someone, I feel pretty confident about either the topic or the individual, but that was not the case this time. I learned a lot about these two individuals within my research, and that, to me, is what made it a lot of fun. I learned so much and was really surprised. So let's just jump right in. First of all, I'm speaking of Carol M. Swain, retired professor of Vanderbilt University. Now, we spoke last week about retired pediatric neurosurgeon Ben Carson and how he was a rags-to-riches inspiration to the poor community. I'll think that you will find Dr. Swain's story just as much, if not even more, compelling. So let's take a look. She was born in 1954 in Virginia. She grew up in absolute abject poverty. She lived in essentially a shack that had no running water. She shared two beds with her 11 brothers and sisters. Now, if that was even a king bed, it doesn't really matter. 11 siblings sharing two beds. Just think about that for a minute. She did not even own a pair of shoes, so she would miss school whenever it snowed outside. In fact, she ended up dropping out of high school in the ninth grade. She later moved to Roanoke with her family, and in the 1960s, she actually went to a court and appealed to a judge to be transferred to a foster home. That tells you kind of what the home life was like. But the judge ultimately denied that, so instead she ended up living with her grandmother in a trailer park. She did eventually marry. She was married for five years, but then divorced in 1975. Now, I'm sure you're asking, Chris, are you sure this is a success story of a conservative black woman? The answer is a resounding yes. And as Paul Harvey would say, let's listen to the rest of the story. She was working as a cashier at McDonald's. She ended up earning her high school GED. She also worked as a door-to-door salesperson and an assistant in a retirement facility. She later learned an associate degree from Virginia Western Community College and went on to earn a magna cum laude BA in criminal justice from Roanoke College and a master's degree in political science from Virginia Tech. While an undergraduate at Roanoke College, she actually helped organize a scholarship fund for black students that by 2002 actually had an endowment of close to $350,000. She continued her education and got a PhD in political science from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in 1989. And in 2000, she earned a Master of Legal Studies from Yale Law School. 
Now, that is a far cry from the student who dropped out in the ninth grade and was working at McDonald's. In fact, she ended up receiving tenure as an associate professor of politics and public policy at Princeton University. And then for 18 years, from 1999 to 2017, she taught political science and law at Vanderbilt University. And then she subsequently retired. Now, she's written several books, and if you want to get fired up for conservatism, just listen to even the titles of these books. I'm just going to run through about six of them. The first book, Black Faces, Black Interests, The Representation of African Americans in Congress. The second one, New White Nationalism in America, Its Challenge to Integration. Now, that doesn't sound like conservatism, but you'll understand when we read some things later. Abduction, How Liberalism Steals Our Children's Hearts and Minds. Okay, that sounds pretty conservative. Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise. Countercultural Living, What Jesus Has to Say About Life, Marriage, Race, Gender, and Materialism. And then lastly, Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. She's gone on to participate in conferences and radio programs organized by the Family Research Council, the Tea Party Movement, and even the Heritage Foundation. All three of those very solid, conservative, biblical organizations. Okay, so back to her time at Vanderbilt. I find this laughable. Not too many years ago, 2015, a group of students started a petition asking university administrators to halt Swain's teaching and require her to attend diversity training sessions. Well, the students should have realized, of course, that diversity training is not exactly for the rags to riches black college professor. Um, I'm, sure pretty, I'm pretty sure that Swain knows exactly what it's like to grow up in black poverty, being the recipient of racism. But I digress. So the students accuse Swain of becoming synonymous with bigotry and intolerance and unprofessionalism. Well, Swain responded by calling the students sad and pathetic, in the sense that they were college students and they should be open to hearing more than one viewpoint. The petition garnered over a thousand signatures within just a few days. Ultimately, before they actually changed the petition to ask administrators to only suspend Swain, but require all professors to attend diversity training. Well, in response to that, actually a pro-Professor Swain petition was started by our supporters, who suggested the student petition was reminiscent of China's Cultural Revolution, when student red guards made false and ridiculous accusations against their professors. That's probably true. Well, in January of 2017, Swain announced that she would retire from Vanderbilt and stated, I will not miss what American universities have allowed themselves to become. After a series of racial protests erupted in the summer of 2017, an article in the Weekly Standard actually called Swain the Cassandra of Vanderbilt. Well, this was well said, folks. I mean, we're talking about a lady who is from the inside. She is boots on the ground, front and center in American universities. These universities have lost their mission. They have become ground zero of wokeness, left, progressive, anti-faith, anti-freedom teaching. They are not teaching the basics. They are purely and wholly devoted to the indoctrination of the youth. Youth, by the way, who don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. Thank God there are professors out there like Dr. Swain. In other areas of public service, she served on the Tennessee Advisory Committee under the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. She was even appointed by President George W. Bush to be on the National Council of Humanities. In addition, she was also a board member of Roanoke College. She was also the chairwoman for President Donald Trump's 1776 Commission that released its report in January 2021. 
And it was in response to the New York Times Magazine's 1619 Project, if you remember Nicole Hannah-Jones. And the commission called for patriotic education and criticized liberals for left-wing indoctrination in our schools. Now, the report was condemned by historians who noted there were no professional historians of the United States on the commission. This got almost no press at all. Instead, Nicole Hannah-Jones has been raised as the savior of black American history, even though her project was highly biased, politically skewed, and often factually inaccurate. So here's some other views that Professor Swain holds. She argued in 2002 against reparations for American black slaves. She called the re-election of President Obama in 2012 a very scary situation. She argued that civil rights leaders like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton had used the killing of Trayvon Martin to increase voter registration for the Democratic Party. She also was very upset that black-on-white crimes are underreported in the media. In 2016, she criticized Black Lives Matter, suggesting it was a Marxist organization, a very destructive force in America, and she reiterated that it needed to go. In October 2020, she recorded a video in which she actually compared Black Lives Matter, Inc. to the Ku Klux Klan. She wrote an op-ed even criticizing Islam in the Tennessean. She argued that Islam is not like any other religion in the United States. It poses an absolute danger to us and our children unless it is monitored. If America is to be safe, it must institute serious monitoring of Islamic organizations. Personally speaking, she grew up a devout Jehovah's Witness until she encountered the Holy Spirit in 1998. She was baptized in the Pentecostal faith and served as a Citizens Committee member of the 43rd Annual Tennessee Prayer Breakfast and is a board member for the Nashville Youth for Christ, and I believe she's currently considered a Southern Baptist. Very important as well, Swain was actually a Democrat before leaving the party around 2009 due to what she said was her Christian faith causing her to re-examine her worldview. In 2009, she became a Republican. Folks, let's just listen to a short clip of Professor Carol Swain, and I think you will come to appreciate her just as much as I do. Facebook has barred me from doing Facebook Lives for 30 days. And it is the case that when I do a Facebook Live or Instagram Live, that lots of parents and people concerned about critical race theory will ask me my opinion about race relations and what should be done. And I can tell you that critical race theory, as they're doing teaching it in this country, it is racism itself. It is white supremacy uh, because it argues that all white people are oppressors, that they have a property interest in their whiteness, that they have to be forced to become anti-racist. And in many cases, they are violating the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Equal Protection Clause. Uh, the civil rights laws protect white people as well as every other group. Well, the biggest racism against Asian Americans is occurring in colleges and universities where they are being discriminated against when it comes to admission, promotions, and awards. And I think the Democrats are using an isolated attack that uh, there's no evidence that it was motivated by hate as a way to take people's mind off the real discrimination against Asians that's taking place. And when it comes to black hate crimes, they are not labeling uh, black crimes against other races and ethnicities as hate crimes, and I think they should. Uh, there is a double standard there that's been troubling uh, to many Americans for a long time. And if you were actually to label all the uh, crimes committed by black youth against people of other races and ethnicities, and not just the youth, there are some um, older people doing it too, 
uh, we would be horrified and we would not be able to deny that there's a serious problem taking place. And it's not just racism running in one direction. We saw the town of Evanston, Illinois, City Council vote last night, a suburb town of Chicago. I believe they're setting aside $400 million for reparations that they are going to give to black community members of that city to either pay their mortgage off, do remodeling on their house, or put a down payment. What about poor white folk, poor Asian folk, poor Latino folk? Just black folks are going to get these reparations? I'm pretty sure none of them were slaves, and none of the folks paying the taxes in that town which are going to pay the reparations were slave owners. Well, according to what I read, uh, they don't have to be descendants of slaves to benefit from it. They have to have lived in the community. And it does uh, create a lot of resentment and anger among members of other groups. It doesn't solve the problem because the problems that when we look at disparities between and among the races, there's no evidence, you know, that that's tied uh, to money, that there's a money solution. And no matter how much money is done in every town and city and state across the nation, could offer reparations, and it still would not address the problem, and you still have the same grievances because we're attacking the wrong issue. Yeah, Dr. Carol Swain, your insight is always so much appreciated. Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you, Dr. Swain, for all you did to push back against the infectious cancer of social liberalism, especially in our American universities. Thank you again for standing firm. When we return, we will talk about our second black conservative woman, a woman of significant notoriety. America First Insurance Group. These guys have become an official sponsor of The Grid, therefore supporting the work that we do here at the Kingdom Patriot Group. Ensuring your life, protecting your liberty. It's so important for our audience to know that there's an insurance group out there that is working in such a way that any profits that they might donate are not going to go to liberal causes. America First Insurance Group. We have contact information in the show notes. So if you want to quote, check out our show notes. All right. Born in 1989, our next black conservative woman is quite young by historical standards, but no less influential. She grew up in Stanford, Connecticut, and has three siblings. She received a legitimate death threat in high school and was awarded $37,000 of a settlement because the school district didn't do enough to protect her. Because of an issue with her school loan, she dropped out of journalism school at the Rhode Island University. She ended up interning at Vogue magazine and then worked at a private equity firm, working her way up to vice president of administration. Folks, I would like to introduce you to Candace Owens. Now, many of you do not know this about her, but she was actually pretty liberal early on. In fact, didn't even seem to be a very nice person. In 2015, Candace was the CEO of Degree 180. It was a marketing agency that offered consultation, production, and planning services. In fact, their website included a blog that Owens wrote herself, and it would frequently post anti-conservative content as well as criticisms of Donald Trump. In fact, one time it included mockery of the sives of his private parts. In 2015, Candace wrote a column in which she criticized conservative Republicans, commenting on the, quote, batshit crazy antics of the Republican Tea Party, end quote. And she added, quote, the good news is they will eventually die off peacefully in their sleep, we hope. And then we can get right on with the obvious social change that needs to happen immediately, end quote. Wow. How could Candace be on my list of great conservative black leaders with comments like that? 
Well, let's continue. She launched a controversial company called Social Autopsy that was going to attack internet bullying, but in the process of doxing concerns, she had her own private information leaked. In 2017, she remarked, I became a conservative overnight. I realized that liberals were actually the racists. Liberals were actually the trolls. Social autopsy is why I'm a conservative. We could almost say the rest is history, but there is much more. In 2017, Turning Point founder Charlie Kirk hired Owens to be the director of urban engagement. In 2018, she registered as a Republican. And in 2020, she announced that she was joining the Daily Wire. She is now known as an ultra-conservative right-wing individual, depending on who you ask. In fact, in a great quote, she says that liberals hate America and Trump loves America. In regards to her views, she pulls no punches. So let's just look at some of those. She criticized the Black Lives Matter movement and has described Black Lives Matter Inc. as a bunch of whiny toddlers pretending to be oppressed for attention. She argues that African Americans have a victim mentality, often referring to the Democrat Party as a plantation. She's argued that the American left likes black people to be government dependent and that black people have been brainwashed to vote for Democrats. She has characterized abortion as a tool for the extermination of black babies. She has said that black Americans are doing worse off economically today than they were doing in the 1950s under Jim Crow, and adding that this is because we've only been voting for one party since then. She's attributed economic improvements for African Americans, such as low unemployment rate, to Donald Trump's presidency. And in 2020, she claimed that George Soros actually paid people to protest the murder of George Floyd. Shortly afterwards, she argued that George Floyd was not a good person. I don't care who wants to spin that, she said. The fact is, he's been held up as a martyr, and it sickens me. Owens is critical of feminism. She described the hashtag MeToo movement as an international movement against sexual harassment and assault. And she described it as stupid and said that she hated it. Owens wrote that the movement was premised on the idea that women are stupid, weak, and inconsequential. She called the Walt Disney Company child groomers and pedophiles and called for the boycott of the company, especially after Disney announced its opposition to Florida's Parental Rights and Education Act, commonly referred to in the liberal media as the Don't Say Gay legislation. Although if you remember our previous podcast on that subject months ago, it never says that in the legislation at all. Back in June of 2022, Owens described Drag Queen Story Hour as child abuse, arguing that parents who take their children to a Drag Queen Story Hour are underqualified to have children and should have their children taken away from them. That's pretty bold. In regards to immigration, she is a proponent of the Mexico-United States barrier and believes undocumented immigrants to the United States should be immediately deported. And she also warned that Europe will fall and become a Muslim-majority continent by 2050. There has never been a Muslim-majority country where Sharia law has not been implemented. She suggested that the United States then would be forced to save the British. She is fiery, she's opinionated, and she's unashamedly conservative. Quite the change from the progressive liberal stance that she held earlier in her life. Let's just listen to a clip to get a flavor of some of her opinions. One of the bravest people we know and one of the smartest joins us tonight. Candace Owens, thanks so much. First of all, thank you for doing this. It's like that whole moment is forgotten. Um, why did you think it was important to make a documentary about it? 
Because of exactly what you said, because they want you to forget it, right? They do these things, they sort of punch you in the face, and then they move on, and they say, nobody look any further. We're now moving on to a different narrative. It is important yeah. to pause and to reflect and That's to right. consider what happened and ask a very big question, which, for whatever reason, no journalist was interested in at the time. We were all basically required to either put up a black square or donate to Black Lives Matter or to make some, you know, statement online about how black people are suffering to make sure that Black Lives Matter would receive the $80 million that it received in one year. But nobody asked the question, where is all the money going? I was interested because they turned me into public enemy number one for accurately talking about George Floyd, not in the capacity of a hero, but in the capacity of a person who was addicted to drugs and who had a enough fentanyl in the system to kill a horse at the time that he died. That made people angry because people were invested in the emotion of Black Lives Matter. And so, look, I'm wearing the shirt. It is the BLM symbol. But instead, I've inserted some cash into it because what they really did is they robbed Americans. They robbed Americans' emotions. They extracted emotions. They used black pain to create confusion and to take millions upon millions, tens of millions of dollars from people. And where did the money go, Tucker? That's what the documentary explores. The people are going to be shocked. I hope people are very behind the transgendered movement because that's where a lot of this money went. And then there's just a dead trail because the one thing that you're afforded when you decide that you are transgendered is you can change your name. So you don't know who any of these people were originally, but they received hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars of cash. Any actual, like, normal black person who benefited from BLM? No, absolutely. It's the exact opposite. I can tell you millions of black people who suffered because they now live in the inner city, in the cities that were looted and that were rioted, and therefore the businesses picked up, which my documentary will show. They picked up and they left, because why wouldn't they leave, obviously, if they're basically saying that crime is allowed to take place and these are zones in which there can be no policing. So these people are now suffering economically, and we, of course, predicted that that would be the outcome because of the BLM scam, which benefited nobody. And there are a lot of questions. In my personal opinion, this was a money laundering scheme. And it is interesting that these individuals, like Patrice Cullors, decided to host a Joe Biden inauguration party at the Black Lives Matter house. Again, all of that is in the documentary. It's stunning. And I do want to add this. My personal charity, after I announced that I was doing this documentary, I wrote a charity called Blexit. We received a letter two weeks after the trailer dropped from the IRS saying that they were going to investigate my charity. I welcome the investigation because I am not a scam artist and I do real work in the inner city communities. This is Biden's IRS once again saying you are not allowed to investigate anything that the media is complicit in. They're going to come for you at some point, as, as you know. Candace Owens, appreciate it. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Thank you so much. Folks, you just got to love her. She shoots from the hip, and sometimes she gets it totally wrong. Sometimes I think she's even over the top. But I also watched her documentary of Black Lives Matter, Inc. as she tried to follow the money trail of this Marxist organization. She was respectful, kind, and unassuming, but she relentlessly chased the truth. That's all conservatism is. It's the pursuit of truth, not an intersectional fantasy of theory, desire, and irresponsibility. I hope you have a better appreciation for these two black conservative women. I know I do just by doing my research for this podcast. I'm also encouraged because I think we just don't realize that these people are out there because the media gives the microphone early and often to every liberal progressive on a street corner. But they hit the mute button on all conservatives, and specifically black Christian conservatives, because they don't follow the narrative. Therefore, they must be silenced or even worse. Thanks, folks, for listening to The Grid as we get a better and more accurate view of Black History Month. Till next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid, and special thanks to our sponsor, America First Insurance Group. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us. 
to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.